Cool, cool, cool. So want to dig into hate and geek out about that a little bit and uh, talk about the tour and uh, talk a little metal as well. But man, 10th anniversary of hate. And I'm always fascinated when people do anniversary tours and looking back 10 years ago, your first album with the band, when you look back and get ready for this, is there anything that, that you hear and you're like, Hey, that wasn't bad or, or the exact opposite. And you're like, Oh my God, why did I do that? Um, no, there's nothing too really embarrassing that we, uh, we found or uncovered in our tracks. We went through and uh, started relearning the material, going over the album sessions and thought, you know, we don't play like that anymore, but we'll figure it out. Um, I think for us, really, it was in the performance and the performance felt pretty good. So it's great to play those songs again. And obviously, looking back on the recording of that album, uh, we recorded it in like a whirlwind, fast recording with the legendary Will Putney. Any memories from that? I imagine that one being your first album. It's either a complete blur or the exact opposite, and you remember every detail of it. I wouldn't say I remember every detail, but, you know, there's definitely some weird memories, uh, some just odd things, you know, that stick out to you. I remember I smoked cigarettes back then, and so did Will, and neither of us have for years now. <laughs> rocking up to the studio going, who the hell is this guy? And feeling this time pressure to, to know that that was the most amount of money we'd spent on anything in our lives to that point and thinking we better not screw this up, you know? <laughs> and then you guys shortly went out on tour with uh, Fit for an Autopsy after doing the album, right? Uh, I don't know if we did necessarily. We did, we did like a... Uh, a little show down the street from the studio with them while we were there. We just borrowed some gear and played a show with Fit for an Autopsy and Molotov's Solution. Two bands in our genre who we're great friends with. I don't think we ended up touring with Fit for an Autopsy, if my memory serves me correctly, until December of 2013 when we did the Hate Across America tour, the first headline tour for the record in the States. That's the one that I'm thinking of is that that U.S. tour. That's the one that, that comes to mind for back then. And I'm thinking of it that way. And also kind of curious, too, man, in looking back on that, uh, you know, getting a, uh, a collab with uh, Joel Birch on Doom from Birth must have been kind of a dream come true. I mean, they were kind of around a decade before you and fellow countrymen and must have been a, a, a band that you looked up to and then like an honor for him to record with you guys. Yeah, I mean, those guys are friends of mine. I, I played guitar for them in the late 2000s. So, uh, Joel and I had have had, I don't speak to him too often these days, pretty similar uh, perspectives about religion, particularly like organized religion at the time. And that was, a, I guess, a main lyrical concentration for us on the record. So, I just hit him up and said, hey, we're doing this song. We can, I guess we can push that agenda a little bit more with our our style of music than he could in his, but I knew it's something he was passionate about. I just said, hey, do you want to do it? And he said, yeah. So <laughs> he did it. <laughs> Pretty simple. And then so in just geeking out and, and thinking about the tour, I'm always kind of curious. Are you, do you going to use his audio or is CJ going to cover his parts when you play that tune live or how does that work? Uh, we don't really do vocals in our, like, uh, we have these backing tracks. I know it's a, a bit of a weird topic the last few years, people complaining about it. Um, but no, we don't have vocals in our backing track. We're not a band that 
has a need to kind of cheat like that. CJ is a beast, so he just sings the lines. Beautiful, man. I can't wait to see you guys. We have you on uh, February the 22nd at the Observatory in Orange County, California. And, you know, I was just thinking kind of geographically that, like this lineup, but Kublai Khan and I am from Texas, uh, Justice for the Damned, fellow Aussies, and then Undeath from New York. It's going to be a whole lot of different accents on that tour. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they say Australia's like, uh, or Texas is the Australia of the United States. I think maybe that's why we get along with people from from down there. <laughs> the, the main the main kind of concept for the tour was to do obviously a ten year tour surrounding the record, but something that was important to me, and I was hoping that we could pull it off, was when we did the original decade of hate or the hate across America tour in late twenty thirteen. Kubla Khan was kind of just this local band that I discovered through a friend on the internet who had recorded their demos and whatnot. And I was super, super into the band. They actually came to meet me on uh, Summer Slaughter 2013 when we came through Dallas. And I was like, oh, you're my favorite band. We have to do some shows together. <laughs> so we got them in to open this tour. And I don't think that they were really a national touring band or anything at the time. I'm not sure, but in the last 10 years, obviously, we've done what we've done, but they've risen to be one of the true juggernauts of their style of music around the world. They've remained one of my favorite bands, and they're all great people that we're friends with. So I thought, wouldn't it be cool to take the opening band from 10 years ago and make them the direct support band because they're so bloody massive? <laughs> and thankfully, they accepted, and then we constructed a lineup of some friends around it. Yeah, they're amazing. I also love Undeath and what they're doing these days too. Yeah, they're they're pretty they're pretty funny guys. I I don't know them yet, but they kind of mesh that heavy beat down. I I, I don't think that it's uh, it doesn't make sense them and Kublai Khan being on a bill together. I think it, it kind of goes together. Obviously, they're more death metal leaning, which ties in with what we do. Mm -hmm. I did put out a tweet on Twitter a few weeks ago about. I don't know what it was like. Oh, don't don't you hate having idiots on tour or something with you? <laughs> the band's uh, Twitter account hit me back and said, "Well, you're about to be on tour with five of us." So, good luck. <laughs> I go, "All right, I like these guys already." <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that earlier too. And and you know, when you go on tour with bands and you bond with other bands, I was kind of thinking about this a second ago. When you bond, is it? after the show and partying and hanging out or is it more like killing time during the day when do you when do you bond with the other bands when do you forge those friendships i think a lot of friendships come in a lot of different ways in life but particularly on tour we've we've got bands that we're great friends with that stylistically make absolutely no sense for us to ever do a show together somehow in the last decade maybe we shared a festival dressing room together one time and the stars align we go these guys are cool and they thought we were cool now we're buddies and we'll never do a show together outside of festivals sometimes it's more this mutual musical respect i mean ideally it's every tour you you have some layer of respect for your peers and colleagues that are out there doing it with you it's it's a hard life to live uh and certainly a unique one there's not many people that you can relate to in your like at home life where <laughs> They kind of understand what you do. Most of my friends still think that we just roll through, play a show and have days off. And they go, oh, do you want to have lunch tomorrow? I go, we're doing another show tomorrow. Like, 
<laughs> you know, surely you know this by now. You've been my friend for 20 years. Like, so there's there's always this camaraderie on tour. People that live this life, I think, understand that at least at the core of who you are and what you do with your life, everyone that's on the tour understands you to some degree. Spilled the same blood in the same mud, basically. <laughs> yeah, definitely the mud. <laughs> and, you know, in talking about the show, obviously playing hate, um, are you going to do that in sequence? I'm always fascinated by that, too. Some bands do. Some bands mix up the, the track list. I was fascinated by it as well because we never anticipated doing an anniversary tour. I think had COVID not have occurred and we were in this weird gap where we're still touring a record that was only out for nine months before the world shut down and we haven't got another record ready yet, uh, this may not have happened. So, And we don't know really any bands that do anniversary tours or have done one. So we're like, how are we going to organize a set list? We Obviously, we want to play the whole record. There's There was two, two or three songs that we had never played live before and, and many we haven't played in well over five years. And in the end, we just said, screw it. Let's just do it the way the record was... Uh, sequenced and that's in the order the track listing so we go from start to finish and then we do an encore which has one song from each of the uh subsequent three records ah beautiful he answered all my questions like yeah i think you should play it in sequence because us as listeners that's how we listen to it so it's kind of how we almost expect it you know that song ends you're waiting for that next riff from the next tune and then obviously yeah only <laughs> 36 minutes of uh material on the album so you got to fill out the set with other tunes other tunes and CJ talking absolute smack for 20 minutes probably gets us over the line, I reckon. <laughs> Working on his uh, dad jokes and, and his stand-up routine. Yeah, I, I think he has this uh, this sort of secret fantasy of one day making it as a stand-up comic. So, you know, um, fortunately or unfortunately for everyone that comes to the iArt show, you are the proving ground where he is testing his uh, his brand of humor. <laughs> I love it, man. And and you had kind of touched on it too. We're having the, the last album and then getting cut short with the pandemic um, and not having a new album ready to go. Are you starting to work on new riffs and stuff for new ideas for a new album for maybe next year? Oh, it's already been worked on and recorded. Um, ah. It's on this computer. Um, we went over to Putney about oh, three months ago and spent two months kind of working on tunes, writing, recording, and uh, we got a lot of songs. I think we ended up with like maybe 25-something different pieces of songs. We whittled it down to maybe 15 we've recorded. So normally we only do the 10 on a record, and we will only do 10 on this record, but we normally have time to do one or two extra songs, and then we decide later what's going to make the, the final cut. This time with the extra time, we ended up doing more which costs us more time because we had to, to finish writing and recording them, but also this sort of picking and choosing, like which ones to focus on, which which do we think have potential to be singles or big hits, and uh, we're really agonizing over them. So I, th- I want to say we got about six or seven songs done with vocals now and probably another seven or eight to go. We'll, we'll probably wrap them up in about a week or two and then following the upcoming US tour. Awesome. And then when do you think we'll start to get to hear that? Are you going to play one of them live? Oh, no, we definitely won't be playing one of them live. I don't even remember what we did. 
Um, <laughs> so we'd have to listen to it for a minute. The, the music is pretty, pretty crazy. Uh, in some respects, we've been more restrained and in others, we've kind of pushed the envelope of extreme music, at least for us in what we do in terms of technicality and pace. When people are going to hear it, I'm not entirely sure. We've got a lot of things to get through this year. Uh, we will have some new music coming out uh, pretty soon that's not related to the record. So we've got to get through that whole process and then uh, and then figure out what we're going to do with this new record. Maybe, maybe mid-year, maybe April, maybe May, I think. I, I just need a little bit of time to start piecing things together. And what was that about new music for something that's not related to the record? Is there an EP or a soundtrack or? Yeah, maybe there's an EP and maybe it'll come out in like the next two months or so. I don't know. Ah, so the EP before the album. Maybe. I don't know. But it's not any of the songs that we recorded for the album. I don't know what I'm going to do with those yet. We have we haven't even picked which ones are going to go on the record. Well, it must be nice. You got an embarrassment of riches, but I imagine that's kind of pandemic related and be sitting around all the time writing riffs. Oh, no, we don't do that. We didn't even play guitar for two years, Sean and I. Why? Um, why? Well, we didn't have to go to work. If you didn't have to go to work, <laughs> I probably wanted to sit at home and enjoy your time, go to the pub, drink a beer, play some video games, cook some food, see your family. So, um, yeah, we basically just checked out of of uh, playing music. I think it's afforded us some freshness to our playing just because your hands get used to the same movements that they do on the road all the time, you can fall into familiar patterns. We definitely like kind of broke out of that on this record. I think it has a lot to do with having the time away from physically holding a guitar and playing it, playing the same stuff, um, which is nice. You know, it's refreshing for us and exciting. So hopefully other people share our enthusiasm. Do you have to work up the calluses in again on the fingers or a little, uh, yeah, it's pretty brutal, to be honest. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of tendon and ligament flexibility and lubrication that's required. You've got to be really hydrated. Uh, the calluses come back pretty quick. Well, they never really go away at this point. Um, <laughs> but in terms of like the, the more physically demanding elements of what we play, yeah, it took some time to come back, that's for sure. Yeah, imagine it's just like riding a bike or anything else, you, you know, and then imagine even playing live, you know, is one thing to record and, and then rehearse, but playing live is a whole different beast, especially when you got the adrenaline going and everything. So I imagine there's going to be some ring rust to knock off. Yeah, I mean, the adrenaline is kind of, kind of what we count on to get us over the line. If we were a slower band, maybe that would be a challenge. We'd be rushing the beat too much, but some of the material is pretty quick. And a lot of it we recorded when we were a lot younger. And some of the stuff that's quite fast is just relies on pure physicality that goes away as you age. So having an adrenaline dump at a show definitely helps with some of the faster, <laughs> faster guitar parts. I could imagine. I could imagine. Andy, I appreciate all the time. Last thing I wanted to bug you about, we're one of those old school radio stations. We do mandatory Metallica every night at 10 p.m., which you're going to be a part of. Um, <laughs> Kind of curious, man. Do you remember the first uh, Metallica riff or solo that you learned? Oh, look, if you're going to play the song. Of course. Uh, I don't want to pick the first one that I would have heard or learned. Okay. The first Metallica song I heard, I'll give you three. The first one I heard was obviously Enter Sandman. 
Okay. There was a girl that lived across the road from my house in when I was in high school. She had an older brother that would blast Metallica through the house and you could hear it across the street every afternoon and he was obsessed with the Black album. The first song I ever learnt, which was a mistake on my part because it's so difficult, was what's that big ballad? Uh, Nothing Else Matters. Oh, right, right. Probably the song I would like for you to play would be Disposable Heroes because the guitar riff is absolutely yeah. sick and super, super fast. Yeah, dude, that whole album, Master of Puppets, to me, is their masterpiece. I mean, there's not a bad tune on that entire album. Yeah, I mean, look, a lot of people uh, have their favorites with Metallica. I like almost everything that they do uh, for different reasons. I think they're they're a great example the only other band I can think of that has done what they've done would be Bring Me the Horizon, where they've gone from this underground, uh, obscure portion of metal to the mainstream. I think it's really impressive and and something to be respected. Yeah, I mean, especially if they're still putting out heavy music and, and then what they're doing this summer in the States, they're doing two nights in each town, no repeat weekend, playing completely different sets with completely different opening bands each night. Pretty No amazing. way. Yeah, sick. Oh, God. Well, hopefully I'm over there to catch a show. <laughs> yeah, not to be missed. Beautiful. Thank you so much for the time, Andy. Can't wait for the tour at uh, Orange County Observatory on the 22nd next month. And uh, best of luck out there on the road, man. Hope to see you cool. at the show. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Dude, you absolutely rock. Thank you so much for checking out the entire interview. Now just hit subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, Radioactive Mike Z. My interviews in their entirety, available on all the major platforms. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to right now. Just hit the subscribe button. Make sure to give me a follow on the socials as well. I'll follow you back at MikeZ967. And bro, don't miss the radio show. Now 10 p.m to midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks in the Southern California Inland Empire area, Riverside, San Bernardino County. Always streaming online at kcalfm.com. You, my friend, absolutely rock.